Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. As we've gathered on this day, this resurrection day, again, we are in the midst of a journey. We have journeyed through Holy Week. We've looked at the life and the sacrifice, the death of Jesus, and the eternal life springing forth in the resurrection. We come to that today. I want to invite your thinking for just the next few moments to God's power to change your life. God's power to change your life. You might hear that title and immediately say he's speaking to someone else. But I want you to draw in close with me today and recognize that his power to change your life fits into the construct of every life here. Whether you're saved, whether you are a believer in Jesus Christ and have followed him for some time already, or whether today you walked into this place and you are far from God, he has power to change your life. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. Just listen to these words. I I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of of his resurrection. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Paul was consumed with that. That became the goal of his life. He he said, I want to know Jesus and I want to know the power of his resurrection in my everyday experience. Paul's ability to get through every day was dependent upon Jesus and his power living through him. And here's the thing I want you to see this morning. Paul desperately wanted that for his friends. He wanted it for others that he knew. In fact, he would say if he were here today, I want this for Hardy Street Baptist Church. I want this for everyone. I want others to know the power of Jesus. In fact, he prayed it this way for his friends in Ephesus. I want you to turn there with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. We're going to focus in on this as a primary text. Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 19 and 20. This is a prayer of Paul for his friends. He has said, my desire, my goal is that I would know Jesus and know his power. But now I want this for other people. So watch this with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. I want you to think about that with me for just a moment, church. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and now gives him the ability and the authority to rule over the universe is available to you and to me. Let me say that again. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and gives him the ability and the authority to rule over the entire universe is available to us. That's staggering to me. That that should cause us a moment of pause and and reflection and awe and wonder. The, The Greek word for power is dunamis. It's the word that we get dynamite from. So this resurrection power, to have the power of the resurrection in your life is 
is just incredibly powerful. It's like having dynamite in your life. It's an explosive power. It is a power that, that, that grabs hold of us. And Jesus, uh, through uh, his resurrection, led Paul to say, I want to know that. Paul said, give me some of that. I, I want that resurrection power. I want that in my life. It's my goal. And then he prayed that for us, that we would know it as well. And here's what I want you to see, that the good news of Easter is not just that Jesus died for our sins and offers forgiveness today, but that the power that raised him from the dead 2,000 years ago is available to change our lives today. Now, I want us to make some connection this morning. I want us to connect to this power. So the question of the day is very simple. Pastor, what is resurrection power? What, what does it mean? I mean, if Paul said the goal of his life is to know Jesus in this power, and then he prays that we would know it, what is it? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I want to give you four thoughts this morning about the power of the resurrection. And they come from our text. They, they fold out of this text. And as we look at this together, I think you'll see some incredible things. Number one, resurrection power is the power to cancel out your past, present, and future sins. In my experience, I see so many people walking around with the weight and the burden of their past failures, their past mistakes, their past sins. There are people that probably are in this very room that are weighted down by weight of regret over their past. And when I tell you that the power of the resurrection is a power to cancel out your past, I, I don't mean that it's like denying that it ever happened or saying that it never happened. That's not how God works. In fact, over and over again in Scripture, when God talks about canceling out our sin, He uses words like these, blotting them out, removing them, eliminating them, washing them away. Have you ever gotten in the middle of a project or maybe you were in the middle of a recipe and you got farther along than you really could go back and you said, man, I wish I could start over. I wish I could have a do-over. I wish I could just push the reset button on this one and start over again. It's not turning out the way that I planned it. You know, it's been my experience. The more and more I live and the more I spend time with people, there are a lot of people that feel that way about their lives. There are people that are simply saying as they can't let go of their past, man, I wish I could push the reset button and start over. There's so many failures. There's so many problems, so many bad decisions, so many places of regret and shame, and they live in this constant state of regret, continually second-guessing themselves and worrying and fretting over the past. Well, lift up your heads. There's good news because what we have said from our text is that resurrection power is the power to cancel out your past sins. God says it's unnecessary for you to walk around in that shame and guilt. It's unnecessary for you to walk around with that level of regret. To carry the heavy load of pain and guilt and old hurts. How can that be? Pastor, how can that be? Listen for a moment. What happened as the result of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is plainly focused in on in Colossians chapter 2. Listen to these words, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut off. Then God made you alive with Christ Jesus and forgave all your sins and canceled the record that, of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. 
Let me give you some thoughts there. We'll, we'll put them on the screen. I want you to see them. This was your past condition. You were dead without Christ, separated from God. God is the source of life. I've used this illustration often in our church. If we went out and saw all of the beautiful flowers that are around town today, the azaleas and all the things that are beginning to bud and bloom, if I cut them off, as beautiful as they still remain for a time, this is dead. Now some of you are saying, I know that's dead. It's plastic, Pastor. Go with me. It's an illustration. If this one had, in fact, been connected to a life-giving set of roots and a stem and the life that God would give to it, when it is cut off from its source, separated, it's dead. And sometimes people have a hard time with this. They read the Bible and it says that Adam and Eve were told, in the day that you eat of this fruit, in the day that you sin, you will surely die. And you say, well, they continue to live. Now, the Bible explains to us that death is separation. We are cut off from the life-giving power of God. You were dead in your sins, but he made you alive, and he forgave your sins. And look at this. He canceled the debt. He wiped it out. He expunged the record. And then from there, he took it all away. This is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is that he is able in our lives to cancel the record, to forgive us our sin, and to make us to come to life. Now, when the Bible says that he forgives us of our sins, there's a question for us. And all of us have heard these words, but I want us to reflect this Easter Sunday. What is sin? Sin is very simply a a term of archery. It's a term of bows and arrows. It literally means to miss the mark. But I want you to hear something with me this morning. It's far more than just missing the mark. Oops, I was close. Let me keep trying. Oops, I was close. Let me keep trying. No, the Bible says that sin is far more than just missing the mark. You see, the Bible isn't saying that you and I are just a bad aim. When the Bible describes our sinful rebellion, our nature of sin against God, it paints an uglier picture than that. Here's what is described in Scripture with this word, sin. Rather than aiming carefully at God's target, we turn our backs And we shoot arrows in every other direction. You see, it would be foolish for us to think that God went to the trouble of the cross if all we are are target missers. If all we are 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 bad spiritual Robin Hoods. If we just can't aim and shoot. No, we don't aim at the target. In fact, it's like this. Hear this. It's as if we want to please ourselves and in desiring to please ourselves... We ignore the true bullseye of pleasing God, and we set our affections on seductive targets that can never satisfy, save, or sanctify. Nothing that we shoot at in life is going to get us there. There's only one place, only a heart that is bent toward pleasing God. And you and I, in our sinful rebellion, our state of being cut off from God, are aiming at all sorts of other targets. Hear this, we are not primarily and only target missers. We are self-centered, false target worshipers. Let me say that again. We are not just target missers. We are self-centered, false target worshipers. We completely ignore the truth and the true target of pleasing God with our lives. But here's the good news. 
God offers complete forgiveness. You see, you were dead. You were aiming in a totally different direction. You were dead, but he canceled out that sin and brought you to life. He expunged the record, and he took it all away. He cancels every record of the charges. Again, the words in Scripture, blot out, wipe out, washed away, canceled. And I want you to hear this. This doesn't mean that Jesus does not know the sins that you have committed. He simply chooses not to hold them against you because they're paid for in full. I would say it this way, and I heard this some years ago by Adrian Rogers. Jesus didn't come to rub your sins in. He came to rub them out. That'll preach. He didn't come to rub my sins in. He didn't come to say in a condemning way, look at what you've done, Scott Hanbury. No, he said, I came to rub them out. In fact, John 3.17 says it this way, for the God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. I, I don't know about you if you ever played with one of these, but one of my favorite toys as a kid was an Etch-A-Sketch. Anybody ever? I see some faces light up so you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are some kids in here that have no clue. They're like, is that an app on my iPhone or my iPad? No. An Etch-A-Sketch had little knobs on it, and you turn those knobs and you drew a picture. And if you messed up that picture, what happened? You turn it over, and you shake it, and it wipes the slate clean. My sister would love to paint pictures, and she would get really, really good at it, and I would take it away and turn it up. That's another story. We don't want to talk about that. God wipes the slate clean. God has forgiven your sins. The Bible says that he carries them as far as the east is from the west. God removes them from our lives. The Bible says that God literally has the ability because of the sacrifice of Jesus, his death and his resurrection to take all the messes and sins and regrets of your life and wipe them clean. And it happens at the moment we trust him. But it gets even better than that. Turn with me for just a moment, if you will, to Jeremiah 31. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Listen to these words. Jeremiah 31, 34. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I hear pages rustling. Some of you are still trying to get there. If you get there, underline that one. This may be one of the most incredible verses in all of the Bible. God, who made the whole world and everything in it, chooses to forget your wrongs, your mistakes, your past failures, your sins. When you come to him, confess your sin, ask him to forgive you, he cancels out your past. That is resurrection power. And some of you have spent a fortune and half a lifetime trying to overcome a past that haunts you in the middle of the night. Jesus Christ today says, I will wipe the slate clean. Come to me, all you who are burdened, who are heavy laden with burden, and I will give you rest. You see, if you're here today and you received Christ at some time in the past and you're limping along through life, in sin, the same thing holds true for you. You can come to Him, confess to Him, come back to Him, ask Him to forgive you, and He will receive you and forgive you and wipe the slate clean and cancel out those sins off your record. How can God do this? We know very clearly from Scripture. 
in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are people in this room who feel condemned. You feel like the world has looked at you with a condemning eye. You feel like the things that you've done are so far beyond the ability for anyone to forgive. But the good news is Jesus can and will forgive you. You see, he canceled out our past sins, failures, and mistakes. Secondly, I want you to see this. Resurrection power is the power to give you a new identity. And somebody this morning needs to listen to this portion of the sermon as if you didn't need to listen to the rest. You need to listen to this. You need to pay close attention. You need to focus because there are, I I know, some burdens in here. You see, in our culture, as we think about identity, identity is just very simply something that defines you. And, And there's all kinds of confusion these days about identity. In our culture, we define ourselves by our race, our religion, our political party affiliation. People define themselves by sexual orientation or gender. We find our identity in our occupation or our hobbies or the school that we went to. We may even find it in our looks or our clothes or whom we've been dating or whom we're married to. I would say this, as I thought about this idea of our identity, there are a lot of people that I meet that have a hidden identity. Meaning this, it shapes their lives and their decisions. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a weight issue. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe you're living with a label this morning, adopted, divorced, poor. You've got some hidden identity that you somehow have allowed to mark you in such a way that that defines everything about how you think and how you relate and the decisions that you make. But I want you to understand that God wants to give you a new identity. And we're going to talk deeply about this. Maybe this morning you don't feel very smart or you feel unloved or unwanted. Identity in our culture It's so much more about what we do or what we've done and our successes and our failures. But the resurrection brought with it power to change all of that. You see, we are now in Christ defined in a different way. We're not defined by our successes or failures. We're not defined by our sinful mistakes or our past mistakes. We're not defined by what other people think about us. Our identity can now be shaped by God's success in conquering our sinful failures. Your identity is now wrapped up in his ability to give you new life. Your identity is not bound up in what somebody else says about you. See, you're vulnerable at that place. Without Christ, you may be subject to what somebody else says about you, and their words may mark you even inside your own head and heart. And somebody has told you something, and you've allowed that to become your identity. Well, friends, I want you to see what God says about you. You see, God says that you are chosen. God says that you are His beloved. God says that He treasures you. He says, in fact, these words, that you are my child in Christ. Remember, we can't do this apart from the resurrection power of Christ. And so it's in Christ that we find no condemnation. So if you're apart from Christ and you're struggling through a a weak or a, a bad identity, He wants to make you brand new. John 1.12 says this, To many as have received him, to them gave the power to become sons of God. You see, he allows us to become children. In fact, that word uh, sons or, or children is a beautiful picture. It's an adoption into his family. He says, you call me daddy. I will call you my child. I will love you with an unending love. 
I'm his and he is mine. And you might be thinking, how is that true? Paul said to the Corinthian church, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he's promised us. You see, if you get nothing out of this sermon but this, here's what it means. When you are in Christ, you can let go of any image of yourself that is not from God. That ought to release someone today. You can let go of any image of yourself that is not from God. When you're a child of God, you're not defined by your feelings. You're not defined by your opinion. You're not defined by your successes or failures, the car you drive, the money that you make, the house that you own. You are defined by God and God alone. You are who God says you are, and no one else gets to have a say in the matter. Tim Keller said this, pastor and theologian, the only person in the universe whose opinion counts looks at me and finds me more valuable than all the jewels of creation. Let me say that again. The only person in the universe whose opinion counts looks at me and he finds me more valuable than all the jewels of creation. Because of the power of the resurrection, you are now identified with Christ and you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. He's given you a new identity. Number three, powerful word for us today. Resurrection power is the power to fill you with strength to face the challenges of every single day. His divinity inhabits your humanity. His divinity inhabits your humanity. We've read it from a couple of different places in Scripture. The Holy Spirit is given to take up residence, to indwell us as believers. And now we have power. We are given power. It is placed into our lives to sustain us. Jesus saves us from the punishment of sin. He saves us from the power of sin daily through His Holy Spirit. You have resurrection power available to you today. And some of us are living our lives, marking off time and struggling, limping along, as I've said, through sin, struggling with this day-to-day experience of life. And God's saying, be freed from that. Be freed because my spirit gives you the strength to face the challenges of the day. Whatever happens, whatever difficulties come, whatever curveball life may throw at you, here's one of the most powerful truths that I can share. We are not only saved by his death, but we are sustained by his life. It means that a risen Savior abides with us moment by moment. Think of the prospect of having a risen Jesus living in you every moment of every single day. The possibilities are endless. Can I let you in on a little secret this morning, Hardy Street? Can I just give you some insider information that you may not have realized yet? You ready? Anybody? Life is unpredictable. Duh. The experience of life is absolutely unpredictable. You're smooth sailing and all of a sudden some life-altering dead end comes into your way. A diagnosis from the doctor, a financial crisis, 
Life is full of stress and heartache and disappointment and setback. Life is full of trials. How in the world can we face all the twists and turns, the roadblocks, all of these things? It's the power of a risen Christ sustaining us as he abides in us. And if you today recognize this truth that the power of God is available to you. Paul said it this way, I want to know Jesus. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. And then he prayed and said, I want you to understand it as well. I want you to know it. I want you to experience it. I want you to feel it. I want you to come alive to the power to be able to have your life completely changed. Today, the journey of our Holy Week focus of coming alive really could be an amazing step for you. As you come alive to this truth, maybe you are far from God and you say, Oh God, I need you to save me. I am cut off from the source of life. I am dead in my trespasses and I'm carrying the weight of the world he says come unto me the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved today you can be gloriously and radically changed forever your life and your eternity can take a new direction you can be saved today Trust Him. And if you are saved today and you're limping along in sin, you can come to Him in confession and He will give you power, power to change your life, power to give you a new identity and power to give you strength to face every challenge of life. You know, we have so many stories in our church of people who have overcome unbelievable crises. I mean, as I I look out and and see people that have been delivered and set free, people that have been healed, people that have been strengthened, people who have been comforted, even this past week as we walked to the place of saying goodbye to a loved one, there are people in this room that could say, the power of Jesus has sustained me, carried me through, made all the difference. Maybe that's your story today. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, then those people in this room would not have the power to handle those things. But because Jesus has risen from the dead and conquered the grave, the sustaining grace power was there to carry them through each twist and turn. Here's a great promise. The Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Let me give you the fourth and final thing. The power of the resurrection is the power of hope. It's the power of hope. This may be my absolute favorite word in all of the Bible, the word hope. I really believe that the word hope is a concept that separates Christians from non-Christians. The world around us is walking around with a worldly sense of hope. I hope that things get better. I hope that these things come through. I hope that bad things don't happen. But the Christian doesn't have a hope-so theology. We have a no-so theology. We have a guarantee. We have a confident assurance and a confident expectation. You see, biblically, hope is a confident expectation that the things that God has promised will come true. Uh, Again, go back to the quote. I put it on the back of your notes. I, I, I misquoted it earlier, but I didn't say, I just paraphrased it. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then you shouldn't listen to anything he says. But if he did, and he has, then everything he says is important. And one of the things he said was, without him, you could do nothing. He said this, that you would depart from him if he didn't know you. There'll be a a day that you'll meet him as judge. There'll be a day, there's an opportunity today to meet him as Savior. Or one day you'll meet him as judge. 
And he is coming again. He's promised that. And the words of his promise ought to fill us with hope. I I don't know about you, but I found myself kind of lured back into the movie The Ten Commandments last night. I've seen it a million times, and every time it comes on, I just kind of find myself gravitating to it. And I say, oh, that's still on? Oh, yeah, it's seven hours long. I forgot. I can still watch a little later. And it was, it was on, and I watched as the Egyptians were following, and the fire of God fell, and they were frightened, and the fire of God gave confidence to the people of God. You see, when God led the people in the wilderness, there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was God's presence. He was showing them, this is the way. And the people who were following after God in obedience found that to be the most comforting thing in the world, and those who were seeing it from the other side, the Bible says their hearts melted. What an incredible picture. Have you ever felt like your heart melted? That's where they were. Today, maybe the thought of facing God makes your heart melt. I want to reassure you, it ought to make your heart leap and rejoice. Because he loves you with an unending love and has made available to you the power to change your life. The power to cancel out all of your sins, past, present, and future. The power to give you a brand new identity. He has given to you and made available to all of us the power to have strength to meet the challenges of every day. And he gives us the power to experience genuine hope. This morning, I pray that our lives, our families, our community would be filled with hope because of the message of Jesus Christ. Would you today turn to him by faith? Would you today trust him? We'll have prayer partners here at the front in just a moment. We call them encouragers, and they're here to do nothing more than that, to encourage you in your faith. If you've never trusted Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I I know that this may seem old school. It may seem passe. It may seem even weird. You've maybe not been in church in a while, and and you say, well, that's something they did a long time ago. I'm going to ask you to step out into the aisle and come to the front and find one of these prayer partners. They'll just be along the front. They're not going to embarrass you in any way. They want to take God's Word and share with you how you can experience this power that will change your life. And as soon as we start to sing in a moment, I want to ask you to do that. Your family will wait for you. They're not going to keep you tied up for a long time. They're simply going to walk with you outside these doors and into a room right next door, and they will share with you God's Word. We simply want to help you to understand that Jesus has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life, and power available to you for your life. And if you are limping along in sin, the same thing might be the need of your life. Maybe you just need to pray with somebody. They're available for that. They'd love to just share with you with a word of encouragement from God's Word. Maybe you need to unite yourself with this church. We would love for you to do so. We would encourage you to. You can do the same thing, and they will help you fill out uh, simple paperwork so we would have a little bit of information about you so that you could unite yourself with this church. We believe God's doing some incredible things right here in the heart of Hattiesburg. And we're seeing it happen week by week. We're seeing lives transformed. We're seeing families restored. We're seeing God move in incredible ways. Well, you come. I'm going to ask Brother Wes and our musicians to come now. And I'm going to ask if you would stand with me. And as you're standing, we're going to pray. And once I finish praying, the music will start. And once the music starts, you answer to God. Let God have his way. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for the power of the resurrection that cancels the debt of sin, past, present, and future. Oh God, would you liberate someone this day who is bound down by their past, who is struggling with a false identity and desperately needs to experience the forgiveness, the love, and the grace of Jesus Christ. Father, we're asking you to save someone this very day. Would you do that for your glory? Father, I'm asking that others would be obedient this morning to find newfound forgiveness as they confess and repent of sin and turn to Jesus and recognize that his power is available today. And Father, if there are those that need to unite with our church family, I pray that you would draw them and they would be obedient in taking that step. All of these things, Lord, we ask would be done for your glory in Jesus' name.